0: Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Before we get started with today's session, I wanted to share a really amazing resource with you. A question that everyone has, a problem that everybody deals with is, how do I focus within my prayer? How do I enjoy my salah? Well, the answer to that question, the solution to that problem is actually quite straightforward and simple. If we understand what we say within our prayer, we'll be able to focus on it, internalize it, and actually get back to enjoying our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We created a solution to make this possible. It's called Meaningful Prayer. This is a course, a curriculum, a seminar, a workshop that I taught in over 100 locations all across this country and even in other countries. Tens of thousands of people have taken this course and it has really turned around, transformed their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, now, inshallah, you can take the Meaningful Prayer course online. You can take it according to your own schedule, at your own leisure. You can pace yourself. You can go back and review lessons multiple times to really be able to internalize them. Go to MeaningfulPrayer.com to sign up. Share this resource with others so that we can get back to not only just offering our prayers or performing our salah, but we can go back to experiencing a conversation and relationship with Allah. Now, to get on to today's session, inshallah, we're going to be covering the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. The following session was recorded at the Seerah Intensive. Bismillah <laughs> walhamdulillah <laughs> wa salatu wa ala wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. Inshallah, we're going to be starting today with chapter number fifty-three. Babu ma jaa Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is the chapter about the age of the Prophet sallallahu and as far as the concept is concerned, it's pretty straightforward, Um, basically talking about how old the Prophet ﷺ was, how long he lived, how old he was when he departed from this world. And also another um, subject that will be covered uh, alongside of that will also be um, distributing the era of nubuwa, the era of prophethood. How much of the period of the Prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu was spent in Mecca and then similarly in the city of Medina. What I'll go ahead and do here uh, just for the sake of being able to then go through the narrations more swiftly and concisely is I'd like to go ahead and explain uh, some of the variations that are found in these particular narrations. Now, some... Of the narrations that, so the vast overwhelming majority, in fact some of the scholars of seerah and hadith have even reported ijma. They have reported a, a, an absolute consensus of Islamic scholarship that the Prophet ﷺ was 63 years old when he departed from this world. And those 63 years are distributed by the first 14 being before revelation, prior to revelation. And then 23 years being spent as um, the Prophet and the Messenger of Allah, more specifically receiving revelation in the station of prophethood. Out of those 23 years, the first 13 were spent, and, and let me uh, allow me to explain this a little bit kind of in reverse because that's how the scholars have noted it. There has never been any conflicting reports about the fact that the Prophet ﷺ spent the last 10 years of his life, 10 years of prophethood, the last 10 years in the city of Medina. There's absolutely no difference of opinion about that. There's never been a report uh, differing from that. So what that obviously... Uh, conclu- what the, the obvious conclusion from there is that the period of revelation spent in the city of Mecca was thirteen years, and so that is what the, according to some, the vast overwhelming majority, the jamahir of the ulama, uh, that's what the vast overwhelming majority is upon. And some has gone, some have gone as far as reporting an absolute consensus and ijma' ajma' al ulama wa ala thalik. Now that being said, we are. So now, any other narrations that differ from that idea, that give a different age of the Prophet ﷺ, there are some narrations that mention that he was 60 years old when he departed. Some narrations mention that he was 65 years old when he departed. Those narrations, number one, some of them are found to be weak. Some of those narrations are weaker narrations. So that obviously explains why they would be suggesting a different number than from what is you know, pretty much confirmed. Secondly, but the real issue actually arises that some of those narrations are not weak narrations, they are authentic narrations. In fact, Imam Muslim in his Sahih has a narration to that effect. That differs from the number 63, distributing the era of Prophethood 13 and 10, differs from that. Imam Muslim in his Sahih has a narration, so it's extremely authentic. So now how do we go about understanding that and explaining that? So the way I'll explain it is the following. The narrations that, base, that mentioned the total age of the Prophet Sallallahu at the time of his departure, being sixty years old, those are narrations or narrators who are basically rounding the number off. They're rounding the number down, as we say. They're rounding it off, and that was in the habit of the Arabs that they would basically. And, and I mean, we're familiar with this as well when you're rounding down or up based on whether it's five or below or six or above. Right, And the Arabs were very particular about that because the Arabs um, at that particular time were more, especially when you put numbers into words, they tried to summarize numbers as much as possible. أَلْفَسَنَةٍ illa خَمْسِينَ aman. 1,000 minus 50. 50 less than 1,000 rather than saying 950. To them, saying 1,000 a, a, a with 50 less was less cumbersome, was less bothersome in speech than saying 950. All right. And there's many examples of this as well. When they would talk about the, you know, when they would talk about the 25th of a month, rather than saying the 25th of the month of Dhul qadah they would say five days until dhul Hijjah. Because now you're using the number five instead of the number 25. And they found that to be a little bit closer to their style of eloquence. And so that is just a simple issue of the number being rounded down. And similarly, the 10 in Medina is well established and the 13 in Makkah are also being rounded down. The the 13 are being rounded down to 10. And so that's what leads to the number of 60. Also similarly, some of the scholars basically when talking about it, they were also talking about the period of public da'wah, the period of the public message, the public preaching, that that was 20 years out of the 23. Because the first three years was more of a quiet, private da'wah the Prophet ﷺ was conducting. So a lot of times they basically are alluding to that when they say the Prophet ﷺ had 10 years in Mecca and 10 years in Medina. They more so mean in terms of public preaching. Now, the narrations that are a little bit more peculiar are the ones that talk about 65. Now, again, the easy, the good news, the easy thing is, the easy route is, that there's only a couple of them, and most of them are um, weak narrations. So we don't really have to bother with them too much. However, the couple that are actually at levels of acceptability, the explanation of how they got to the number 65 was that some of the Arabs had a very peculiar method of counting a lot of times, because technically speaking, the Prophet ﷺ, he lived a few days past the age of 63. So in that sense, what they would do a lot of times was that they would count the year zero as well as a number, and then because he lived a few days past the age of 63, they would count that as another extra year, and that adds two years to the 63, and making it 65. All right, so it's just a convoluted counting method. And this is present in a lot of other instances. The Battle of the Trench, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, there's practically no legitimate contention about this, that the Battle of the Trench was in the fifth year of Hijrah. But then there are some, some who commented by saying that the Battle of the Trench was in the sixth year of Hijrah. And that was again that same confusion that they, some of the Arabs at that time, the Arab, the Bedouin, and so on and so forth, they had a more peculiar method of counting. And so that would a lot of time lead to these types of discrepancies when numbers were involved. But overwhelmingly and practically as a consensus, there is no uh, difference of opinion about the fact the Prophet Wasallam was in this world for 63 years, 40 were pre-Revelation, the period of Revelation was 23 years, 13 of which was Meccan, 10 which was Medinan. So now, having understood that inshallah we'll read through the narrations. The first hadith, Kal al Musannifu, Haddatana Ahmed ibn Maniah, Kalahaddatana Ruh ibn Ubada, Kalahaddatana Zakaria ibn Ishaq, Kalahaddatana Amru ibn Dinara an ibn Abbasin Radiallahu talah anhuma kal, makkathan nabiu salallahu alaihi wasallam be makkatathalafata excuse me, Makatan Nabiu Salallahu alaihi wa Salama be Makkathalatha Ashra sanatan يُوحَى إِلَيْهِ وَبِالْمَدِينَةِ عَشْرًا وَتُوُفِّيَ وَهُوَ إِبْنُ ثَلَاثِيٌ وَسِتِينَ Abdullah bin Abbas رضي الله تعالى عنهما narrates and he says that the Prophet resided in the city of Mecca while he was receiving divine revelation for 13 years. And in the city of Medina similarly receiving divine revelation for 10 years. And he passed away while he was 63 years old. Now one of the, again, peculiarities in how the Arabs would um, express the age of someone, if you're somewhat familiar with Arabic and you look at it, um, it says, Ibn Thalati wa which basically means he, you know, somebody might misunderstand this and mistranslate this as, he was a boy of 63, that does, that's not what it means. What it means is he passed away 63 years from his birth. From his birth And that's how they would say that: are ibnu Sittina? that's how they would say that this was 60 years after their birth. So that's more of an expression and not to be translated literally. قال قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا محمد بن جعفر عن شعب عن نبي إسحاق عن عمر بن سعد عن جريد عن معاوية رضي الله تعالى عنه أنه سمعه يخطب قال مات رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو ابن ثلاث وستين وأبو بكر وعمر وأنا ابن ثلاث وستين In this narration the tabi'i Sa'd ibn uh, or excuse me, Jareed, he narrates from Mu'awiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion of the Prophet wasallam, who governed over the Muslims after Ali bin Abi Talib. He says that he heard Mu'awiyah ta'ala anhu giving the khutbah, giving the sermon. And he said that the Prophet wasallam departed from this world when he was 63 years old, as did Abu Bakr and umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. And this is just one of the kind of beauties and symmetries of their lives, that they all passed away at that same age. And then he goes on to say, and I am also 63 years old. So basically to say, I don't know how much longer I have left, but it just so happens that Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala actually lived till the age of 80. So he lived for a long time after that. So he was maybe kind of expecting or uh, anticipating, but... He apparently had 17 years left, right? عن 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 In this narration, similarly, the mother of the believers, Aisha says that the Messenger of Allah passed away when he was 63 years old. قال المصنف حدثنا أحمد بن منيع ويعقوب بن إبراهيم الدورقي قال حدثنا إسماعيل بن علي عن خالد, الح... عن خالد الحذائي قال أنب أنا عمار مولى بني هاشم قال سمعت ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما يقول توفي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو ابن خمس وستينة this is the first of the narrations that we're going to see That is a little uh, that varies from uh, what we talked about. That Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu passed away when he was 65 years old. And this happens to be one of those narrations that is in terms of sanad, in terms of chain of narration, it is an authentic narration. Uh, Imam at narrates it in his Jamia, Imam Muslim brings it in his Sahih. But this is a narration for those who might be somewhat acquainted with the hadith sciences, with mustalah, uh, or might be endearingly, I say this, hadith nerds. Um, This is a hadith that's referred to as hadithun shavdun. Because if you recall and remember the definition of shavd, shavd is a narration that is authentic but it contradicts a group of authentic narrations or something that's more authentic than it. Alright? So you have the shav on one side and then you have what's the opposite of the shav? Very good. Proud day. All right. So the next narration. قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن بشار ومحمد بن ابان قال حدثنا معاذ بن هشام قال حدثني ابي عن قَتَادَةَ عن الحسن عن دغفل بن حنظله ان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قبض وهو ابن 65 قال ابو عيسى ودغفل لا نعرف له سماعا من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وكان في زمن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم in this narration a man by the name of daghfal he narrates that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi sallam passed away when he was 65 years old. Imam At-Tirmidhi, Isa, this is commentary from the author, from the compiler, Imam At-Tirmidhi, he comments by saying that this man Daghfal is not known to have directly heard the Prophet sallallahu in spite of being alive during the time of the Prophet sallallahu Now, this is again going to be a little bit more uh, in the realm of you know, Hadith sciences but I'll make the comments uh, very short and brief and quick. That um, this is first and foremost, this is a weaker narration, and number two, this individual Daghfal. There's quite a bit of a discussion about this individual. Um, it is confirmed. Some some scholars are actually of the opinion that he was a Sahabi, a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he has only narrated one narration from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and this happens to be that narration. So some have actually confirmed his status as a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. However, majority of the scholars are of the opinion that he did not actually narrate anything from the Prophet ﷺ, that he never met the Prophet ﷺ, but he was alive during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. And some are even of the opinion that he was not even alive during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, or, or, or was not Muslim at that time, but rather he came to Islam later on. Now, the reason why I mentioned this is there's a very interesting, fascinating category of individuals who were Muslim during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ but never had the opportunity to meet him. They're referred to as the Al-Mukhadramoon. And so there were a group of people who for whatever the reason was, either because of their distance from Medina or the Prophet ﷺ, they never were able to have the blessing and the opportunity to be able to meet with the Prophet ﷺ and see him in person in the state of iman. قال المصنف حدثنا إسحاق ابن موسى الأنصاري قال حدثنا معن قال حدثنا مالك ابن أنس عن ربيعة ابن أبي عبد الرحمن عن أنس ابن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه أنه سمعه يقول كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ليس بالطويل البائن ولا بالقصير ولا ولا بالأبيض الأمهق ولا بالآدم ولا بالجعد القطط ولا بالسبت بعثه الله على رأس أربعين سنة فأقام بمكة سنين وبالمدينة سنين الله على رأس ستين سنة وليس في رأسه ولحيته عشرون شعرة I'll translate this narration then I'll um, explain. Anas رضي الله تعالى he says that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was not very tall nor was the Prophet وسلم, short. The Prophet was not very light-skinned, nor was he very dark-skinned. The Prophet hair was not extremely curly, nor was it completely straight. Allah Taala sent him revelation at the age of 40. He remained in Mecca for 10 years thereafter, and he then spent 10 years in the city of Medina. He passed away, Allah Taala took him away from this world at the age of 60. And at that time in his hair in his hair, on his head, or in and in his beard, there was not a total of more than twenty white hairs. He didn't even have a total of twenty white hairs between his hair on the hair on his head and his beard. All right. Um so obviously this is a more lengthier narration that tells us paints a very beautiful picture of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi We've gone over this earlier, uh, in the earlier chapters of the Shama'il, which Folks can go back and uh, either read or visit the recordings if they would like. Um, but of course, he brings this particular narration because it again comments on the age of the Prophet Now, if you look at the chain of narration, it has Malik ibn Anas. This is a narration from Imam Malik. This is a narration from Imam Malik, and he's narrating from his teacher Rabi'a al Ra'i, um, who then narrates from Anas رضي الله تعالى So this is an authentic narration. This is an authentic narration. And in fact, Imam Bukhari Rahimullahu ta'ala mentions this narration in his sahih. But again, this is another example of them rounding the number down. Because he does comment on the fact that he received revelation at 40 and then spent, it's like the Arabs would say, spent about 10 years in Mecca, then spent 10 years in Medina. So he was about 60 years old when he passed away. And that was just, as I mentioned before, that was just a habit of the Arabs. Otherwise, um, Anas radiallahu talanhu, Rabi'at al-Rai, who was one of the scholars of Medina, Imam Malik, who was the alim of Medina, they were very well acquainted with the details of the life of the Prophet wasallam, And Imam Bukhari authenticates a narration, so it's unfathomable that there would be uh, an error to this degree that would exist. Um, in the recorded, you know, uh, details of the Prophet But this is just a matter of translation. Translating over from how people in a certain culture speak. We say dozens and dozens. So if I say there's dozens of something, it's not either 12 or 24 or 36. There might be 32 of something. Alright? So that's just a figure of speech in certain cultures. And same is the case over here. The last narration that that is found in this particular chapter um, is just Imam uh, tirmidhi bringing a different chain, a different route for the same exact narration to establish its authenticity. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا قُتَيْبَةُ بْنُسَعِيدٍ عَنْ مَالِكِ بْنِ أَنَسِ عَنْ رَبِيَعَةِ بْنِ أَبْدِرْرَحْمَانِ عَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَلَى عَنْهُ نَحْوَهُ So basically, uh, Imam Tirmidhi brings his narration because in the previous one, he received the narration not from the student of Imam Malik, but from the student of the student of Imam Malik. He got the narration from Ishaq, who got it from Ma'n, who then got it from Imam Malik. So Imam Tirmidhi is informing us that he has a shorter chain of narration going back where there's only one person between him and Imam Malik, and that was Qutaybat ibn Sa'id. Ta'ala. Chapter number 54. Babu Ma wafati Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa This is the chapter about the passing of the Prophet sallallahu um, alayhi just a quick comment on this as well. Two things. Number one, obviously it creates a little bit of a back and forth Um, you know, as far as the seerah intensive students are concerned, because this is something that we'll be covering a few days from now. But nevertheless, this is the chapter of the Shama'il that we're at, and we'll again benefit from this entire narrative of the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, not once but twice, and therefore receiving a more greater reminder, um, and being able to really fully feel the effects of the love of the Prophet ﷺ, inshaAllah. And then the second thing is that as... Should be obvious to anyone, uh, particularly those who have maybe come across this topic before. Uh, speaking about the passing of the Prophet ﷺ can be very, very difficult, can be very, very challenging. So, um, but so, just wanted to give everyone a heads up about that, just in case uh, somebody hasn't had uh, the opportunity to be able to study and read and learn about the passing of the Prophet ﷺ. <clears throat> But again, I guess a comment that I'll share a few days from now is that understand that that um, that that difficulty or that 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 pain or that sadness um, or those emotions that we might experience uh, at this particular discussion is a very beautiful thing, and it's maybe possibly, you know, with without engaging in too much hubris, it's maybe possibly the first inkling, the first few drops of developing. Love for the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Wasallam as He deserves from us. And this is a part of our iman, a part of our faith and belief in spirituality. قَالَ المُصَنِّفُ حَدَّثَنَا كشف الستارة يوم الاثنين فنظرت إلى وجهه كأنه ورقة مصحف والناس خلف أبي بكر فكاد الناس أن يضطربوا فأشار إلى الناس أن يثبتوا وأبو بكر يأمهم وألقى السجفة وتوفي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من آخر ذلك اليوم Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, the last time that I saw the Prophet was when the Prophet opened the curtain Monday morning. This was, the day, this was the Fajr prayer. And he says, I looked at the face of the Prophet like it was a page of a book, like the page of, a page of the Mus'haf. This is such powerful eloquence um, on the part of Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He means two things by this. Number one, the page of the Mus'haf meaning just the clarity with which I could see his face. Like you can read the words on the page. But what he also means by this, and we'll talk about this more later, is that he says, "I, just like a page of the Mus'haf, you memorize it, I memorized his face on that day. And I will never forget it ever again. And he says that the people were lined up behind Abu Bakr radiallahu chalanum because he was leading the prayer, because the Prophet physically was no longer able to come and lead them into the prayer. And the people were about to start moving. Like the people were about to start, you know, uh, moving from their places, either moving towards him or move from their places. Just people were very anxious. And the Prophet gestured to the people, he signaled to the people to stay at their places and the and Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was leading them and then he says that and then the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam lowered the curtain and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away later that day I know that when you see the word in Arabic, akhir, a lot of times we feel that that means the end of the day. That was not the case. The Prophet ﷺ passed away later that morning. But as an expression in the Arabic language at their time, this sometimes would refer to something that was later in the day. So it was later in the morning. كُلُّ مُسْنِدَةً النَّبِيَّ صلى الله عليه وسلم إِلَى صَدْرِي أو قَالَتْ إِلَى حِجْرِي فَدْعَى فِيهِ ثُمَّ Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها narrates that I had positioned the Prophet so that he was leaning against my chest. Or in another narration she says, in my lap. And basically, the way that we understand that is that she was basically holding the Prophet ﷺ in her arms with his back towards her. And so, yes, he was like in her lap, but uh, her his head was on her chest. So both actually stand true. And then she mentions that the Prophet ﷺ asked for some type of a container to be able to relieve himself therein. And the Prophet relieved himself, and then shortly thereafter, he passed away. And the reason why she mentions this particular detail, somebody might be curious, not only sharing every one of the last moments of the life of the Prophet with us, but also part of the reason why she mentions this particular detail is to really demonstrate to us how physically painful and how trying and testing. Uh, those last few moments of the life of the Prophet ﷺ actually were, where he did not even have the physical strength to be able to get up and go and relieve himself And the next narration kind of continues commenting on that. عن القاسم بن محمد عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها انها قالت رايت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو بالموت وعنده قدح فيه ماء وهو يدخل يده في القدح ثم يمسح وجهه بالماء ثم يقول اللهم اعني على منكرات على منكرات او قال على سكرات الموت في هذا التقرير Aisha radiyallahu anha she says that I saw the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he was near death, and near him was a bowl in which there was water, and he would put his hand into the bowl, and then he would wipe the water on his face, and the explanation of that is because the Prophet sallallahu was experiencing such a high temperature of fever, um, due to this the pangs of death, the last moments of his life. That he basically would wipe his face with that water to cool himself off. And he was saying that, Oh Allah, help me uh, in facing these very difficult moments. Or he said, the pain or the pangs of death. or الْمَوْتِي sakarat al-maut, الموت. right? That either the very difficult moments that come before death or the painful moments that come before death. Um, in either way. Now, what is this exactly talking about? And like I said, we will definitely talk about it further in class. But nevertheless, this is something the Prophet ﷺ inquired about as well. Because about a week before he passed away, he started experiencing a lot of this pain in his body. And he physically was having trouble moving. And he was having a fever and his head would ache. And he asked Jibreel (laughs) ﷺ that, What is this, O Jibreel? Does everyone experience this? And Jibreel a.s. informed the Prophet ﷺ that these are the pains of death, this is the soul departing from the body, this is the life of this world coming to a close, and everyone experiences this. And the Prophet s.a.w. in fact the Sahabi Abu Sa'id al-Khudri anhu, When he came to see the Prophet ﷺ during that last week of his life, he said, I placed my hand on the Prophet Wasallam, And I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, your, your, your temperature is so high, like your body is burning up. And the Prophet ﷺ said that I experienced twice the fever that one of you experienced, and I experienced twice the headache that one of you would experience. And the Prophet ﷺ, in that moment, in spite of everything he was going through, when he asked Jibreel ﷺ, and he confirmed that every single person experiences and goes through this, the, the Prophet ﷺ asked Jibreel ﷺ that, Oh Jibreel, if my ummah will experience this as well, allow me to burden this, give it to me on behalf of all of my ummah, so that my people don't ever have to deal with this. That was the generosity once again of the Prophet ﷺ, even in the very last moments of his life when he was departing from this world. قَالَ hasan حَدَّثَنَا الْحَسَنُ al الْبَزَّازِ قال حدثنا مبشر بن إسماعيل عن عبد الرحمن بن العلاء عن أبيه عن ابن عمر عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت لا أغبط أحدا بهون موت بعد الذي رأيت من شدة موت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أبو عيسى سألت أبا زرعة فقلت له من عبد الرحمن بن العلاء قال هذا هو من عبد الرحمن ابن العلاء هذا قال هو عبد الرحمن بن العلاء ابن اللجلاج in this narration, Aisha radiyallahu taala anha, she says that I, after witnessing, after witnessing the experience and the difficulty the Prophet experienced at the time of departing from this world, I will never again doubt um, the difficulty that anyone, I will never take lightly what anyone goes through at the time of death. I will never again take it lightly. Um, and then the last bit of commentary there was from Imam Tirmidhi, where he was inquiring from his teacher uh, about who this narrator, Rahman ibn al-Ala was, who he informed him exactly of who he was. Qal al Musannifu, أَبُوْ كُرَيْبِ Abu Kurayb, Muhammad ibn Lala, Qala Hadda thana Abu Muawiyah, and Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakrin, Wahua ibn al Mulayki. عن ابن أبي مليكة عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت لما قبض رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اختلفوا في دفنه فقال أبو بكر سمعت من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم شيئا ما نسيته قال ما قبض الله نبيا إلا في الموضع الذي يحب أن يدفن فيه ادفنوه في موضع فراشه in this narration Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha she says that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi passed away there was a discussion about where to lay the prophet sallallahu to rest where to lay him to rest Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu at that time said i heard from the messenger of allah sallallahu something that i will never forget i could never forget and that was the Prophet Some said that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a prophet away from this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a prophet away from this world at the very place where God wants that prophet to be laid to rest. So therefore, lay him to rest, bury him at the place where he was lying, at the place of his deathbed, where he was lying down when he passed away. And that was in the home of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. That was in the home of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And that's where the Prophet ﷺ was laid to rest till today, which tells us that when we go and we visit there, the Masjid of the Prophet the city of Medina, and we pay our respects to the Prophet the place where he rests today was actually the home of our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. The other thing I wanted to mention is Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala says a comment that is a little interesting, where he says, I heard the Prophet say something that I would never forget. And the reason why he says it in that particular way is because he's saying that while the Prophet was alive, for the Prophet to talk about the death of a Prophet, which the only Prophet at that time is the Prophet was something that shook me to my core. And it was just so frightening and so disturbing. For me in that moment to imagine, to deal with, to think about the Prophet departing from this world, and it's just something that just stuck with me, you know, as we say as an expression, it haunted me. And I would never forget it. The next narration, قَالَ الْمُصَنِّفُ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بَشَّارٍ قال حدثنا عب, uh, or, uh, excuse me قال حدثنا محمد بن بشار وعباس آل وَالسَّوَّارُ بن عبد الله وغير واحد قالوا حدثنا يحيى ابن سعيد عن سفيان الثوري عن موسى ابن أبي عائشة عن عبيد الله عن ابن عباس وعائشة رضي الله تعالى عنهم أن aba بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه قبل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد ما مات. Abdullah bin Abbas, radiAllahu taala Anhuma, and the mother of the believers, Aisha, radiAllahu taala anha, was the daughter of Abu Bakr, radiAllahu taala anhu, and was, was present in the home when Abu Bakr, radiAllahu taala anhu, entered the home after the passing of the Prophet, sallallahu Shortly thereafter, and she says, and both of them actually narrate that Abu Bakr, radiAllahu taala kissed the Prophet, sallallahu wasallam. The next narration will explain, kissed him on, on the forehead after the Prophet ﷺ had passed. And this tells you a few things. Number one, obviously, it tells you how beloved the Prophet ﷺ was to them, how much Abu Bakr who loved and honored and cherished the Prophet ﷺ. And thirdly and finally, um, and I understand this is a sensitive issue, and um, just knowing a lot of times the irresponsible nature and behavior of people in our communities, Um, I just kind of mentioned this last point with my apologies and my condolences, but this narration and the others that we're also going to read also demonstrate the permissibility of this. The permissibility of this. That loved ones, family members, close friends can actually see the deceased after their passing. And may actually, as long as they can control themselves, because there was another There were incidents during the life of the Prophet ﷺ Where when someone passed away And there was a lot of just wailing and flailing And you know people pulling at the body And things like that The Prophet ﷺ said please don't do this Right But if somebody is able to maintain dignity And a sense of decorum You know And and they can control themselves Which if they're not able to We don't fault them We understand it's very painful But nevertheless Just sticking to the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ If they're able to maintain their composure then there's nothing wrong with them, seeing the deceased and you know, uh, you know, kissing them and offering that level, that gesture of affection and respect. قال حدثنا نصر بن علي الجهبمي قال حدثنا مرحوم ابن عبد العزيز العطار عن أبي عن أبي عمران الجوني عن يزيد بن بابنوس عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها. ان ابا بكر دخل على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد وفاته فوضع فمه بين عينيه ووضع يديه على ساعديه وقال وا نبيها وخليله عائشه رضي الله تعالى narrates that the prophet that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala entered upon the prophet sallallahu INS2- after he had passed and he placed his mouth between the eyes of the Prophet this is referring to the previous, that he kissed him on his forehead. And he had, while kissing him on his forehead, to basically you know, hold himself up, his hands were on the shoulders of the Prophet very gently, as he kissed him on his forehead, and he said the words, Oh my Prophet, oh my beloved, my, my beloved friend, oh my dear friend. That he basically expressed these words, you know, expressing once again the love and the affection that he had for him, which once again we see that, you know, this this again notion of there being just a complete moratorium and there being a total silence is actually not from the prophetic practice. Because the actions of the sahaba in regards to the Prophet are part of the Sunnah, they're part of the prophetic practice. All right? And so it is not from the prophetic practice that absolutely nothing is said, but if somebody is saying, you know, uh, expressing just, again, in a very responsible, in a very dignified manner, somebody is expressing what this person means to them, then there's nothing prohibiting that. قَالَ حدثنا قال حدثنا جعفر بن سليمان عن ثابت عن أنس رضي الله تعالى عنه قال لما كان اليوم الذي دخل فيه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المدينة أضاء منها كل شيء فلما كان اليوم الذي مات فيه أظلم منها كل شيء وما نفضنا أيدينا من التراب وإنا لفي دفنه حتى أنكرنا قلوبنا Anas ta'ala anhu says that the day the Prophet ﷺ entered into the city of Medina, he lit everything up, he brightened everything, he brought light to everything, he made everything better. And the day that he passed away, it's like everything lost its light. Everything lost its color. It was a very, very difficult day. And he says that we had still not cleaned the dirt, the dust from our hands. We were still bearing Him. When we, the translation says, we felt, we, we, we began to feel the change in our hearts. Which is one interpretation of this. What it also means is that we, well, one other way to understand is that we really, you know, we, we almost kind of hated ourselves for having to bury the Prophet ﷺ. Like just expressing how conflicting, how conflicting and confusing that moment was um, to bury the Prophet ﷺ. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ حاتم قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَوْمَ الْإِثْنَيْنَ Aisha radiyallahu said that the prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa the messenger of Allah peace and blessings be upon him passed away on Monday he passed away on Monday qala muhammad ibn abi umar قال حدثنا سفيان بن عُيَيَّنَةَ عن جعفر بن محمد عن ابيه قال قبض رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم الاثنين فمكث ذلك اليوم وَلَيْلَةَ الثلاثاء ودفن من الليل قال سفيان وقال غيره يسمع صوت المساحي من اخر الليل in this narration this is basically narrated by the family of the prophet وسلم, the Ja'far, this is the individual known as Ja'far al-Sadiq, narrating, narrating from um, his father, Muhammad al-Baqir. Um, and he basically is narrating kind of the narrative that was passed on within the family. These are the descendants of the Prophet ﷺ. So he's, he's narrating, even though he never directly, he was not there at the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, but it, it's understood as more of kind of like a family tradition that was passed down. So he says that the Messenger of Allah passed away on a Monday, and the remainder of that day, the body of the Prophet remained there in the home of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, and people were allowed to come and pay their respects. And then it remained throughout Tuesday, and then finally Tuesday night, the body of the Prophet was laid to rest in the ground. He was buried. And Sufyan mentions that others have also mentioned. And what he means by other than Muhammad al-Baqir, meaning this was a well-known story of the Medinan people. This was a tradition passed down amongst the Medinan families. That they used to say that we still remember that night, that late into the night, we could still hear the shovels. We could still hear the shovels, like the, the digging tools, you know, kind of digging into the dirt And then lay, put, laying the dirt into the grave We could hear that work going on Late into the night Nobody slept that night Everybody sat And those who were there With the responsibility To lay the Prophet to rest Were there But even the others were just People were sitting around And you could hear these sounds Echoing throughout the city of Medina They said it was the most haunting of nights It was just such a difficult moment قال حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد، قال حدثنا عبد العزيز بن محمد عن شريك بن عبد الله بن أبي نمد، عن أبي سلمة ابن عبد الرحمن ابن عوف. رضي الله تعالى عنه قال توفي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم الاثنين ودفن يوم الثلاثاء. This narration kind of just doesn't speak about the time of the day; just talks about the day itself. Basically, saying that the Prophet ﷺ passed away on a Monday and he was buried on a Tuesday. He basically says that this is an isolated narration because the more solid reports are that he was buried late into the night Tuesday, where it was practically Wednesday at that point, Um, because it just took that long. It took more than a day and a half, nearly two days, for, for everyone to get the opportunity to come through, pay their respects, and be able to say their goodbyes and their farewells to the Messenger of Allah wasallam. And insha'Allah, the next narration is a very lengthy narration, basically talking about it in a lot of detail. And uh, we will continue with that narration, Taala, uh, in the next session. Um, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the love of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to live up to the legacy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who will meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of resurrection. And be amongst those who will drink the, from the fountain of Kothar served by His blessed hands. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen.